2: everyone welcome to a good football show i am matt straup and with the release of the nfl schedule on wednesday night today we are taking a way too early look at the matchups in week one of the 2021 nfl season we have loosely ranked these matchups from 1 to 16 based on fantasy potential intrigue and possibly some personal biases looking at spots to potentially take advantage of and of course some to avoid i'm joined by john daigle Pat Doherty and Denny Carter. Guys, I got to start with a dilemma here. My long running hometown fantasy football league will sometimes use the Kentucky Derby as the draft lottery. So basically, everyone is randomly assigned a horse out of a hat, and your top finishing horse, order of horse finish, will determine the draft order. And you can probably see where this is going. As you know, a controversy has ripped through the horse racing world, (laughs) and more importantly, my fantasy league. So the question for you guys is I put it to the panel what happens to the draft order if Medina Spirit is officially disqualified do you vacate it or is it in the results are in and you stick with that and, and there're gambling implications here too for anyone who bet on that race
3: You you got to do sportsbook rules I mean it's all tickets already cashed you're not giving it back exactly. Good luck collecting that so I would say it is as it stands
1: Um for, do you know a good attorney I mean I personally I would initiate legal action against Bob Baffert <laughs> And it's probably what I would do if I were in your position. You have time and money to waste on that. I hope.
4: We're we're, we're talking about the canceled horse. Is that? <laughs> that
5: that's, that's how you know him.
4: <laughs> the canceled horse won
2: a guy in my hometown fantasy league the first overall pick in the uh-huh. in the draft.
1: I agree, right. John. I mean, like the race happened. I mean, the legalities afterwards. You know, whatever. The you guys agreed. You understood that. Whatever horsey goes first, um, even if he's pumped up full of acne medicine, uh, that's the draft position, and you just got to live with it.
4: Yeah, I think that's the ruling.
1: Otherwise, you just have to go
3: do like a Z digital horse race and call your 12 gates <laughs> bleak. That's disgust on Denny's face, by the way. He's not He's not having that. He'd much rather just get the canceled horses shot. <laughs> I'm canceling the digital horses. <laughs>
2: Okay, okay. It's it's been decided. This was pretty clear. I was hoping for a little more ambiguity.
1: Sorry, and I, I before we move on to the real show though, I have to say something about Denny who is back from his panic hoarding of gasoline and oh. is so frazzled and rattled that he was eating cup of noodles before the show started. <laughs> That's right. I just want to make sure Denny's uh, like in the the right frame of mind to do a show. I, I'm not, but I'm going to go
4: ahead. I'm going <laughs> to trudge through. Yeah, uh, there all the gas stations uh, in my area are sold out of gas today. There, there's no gas. A, to pa- there had. was a
1: pack drop today at the gas station. There
4: uh, was a pack. <laughs> yes, when when, um, when packs and they uh, people the gas. People, on on eBay. People lost their mind yesterday. <laughs> it, it's a it's a completely man made uh, shortage. It you know? is. <laughs> it, it's not actually. It's not actually a shortage. It's that the um, irrational consumer has has taken over. Try being uh, a nomad at this time. That's
1: Ooh. probably not <laughs> oh, a good man. idea.
3: By the way, to just be driving around the country.
1: Yeah. I showed it's... up at my gas station this week. I tried to give them two Bitcoin. I think that's probably like worth like a hundred dollars. <laughs> And they wouldn't take it,
3: and I still have no gas. Boy, we are we are outdating ourselves and showing what we know in life. <laughs> no, right I
1: now. mean, I paid $100,000 for two gallons <laughs> of gas. Um, I know how much Bitcoin is worth, actually. Uh, or was worth. Was worth. For a certain someone tweeted something. Anyways.
0: No politics. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
5: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All
2: right, as we said, after the release of the NFL schedule, we're going to get into our game-by-game look at week one, rank these games from 16 to 1. We're going to start at 16, and before we get started, since this was your brainchild, Daigle, anything you want to mention, big picture that I've left out of this premise.
3: It's the spoiler cast. We're just going to ruin week one scores for everyone while talking about <laughs> fantasy and betting along the way. That's it. There are no right. rules.
1: Yeah.
2: The Broncos and the Giants have the lowest over-under at week one that I've seen 42 and a half. And if I'm really giving myself a gut check, this is absolutely the last game I'd be turning on. And I think that's saying something concerning that Texans-Jaguars is on the slate, but we will get to that. First, Denny. You get the mm-hmm. honors for number sixteen. Can you talk yourself into some excitement about Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater versus Daniel Jones? God bless you if you can.
4: I can't, but I can talk myself into Aaron <laughs> Rodgers in you know uh, heading up the Denver offense in that game. No, I mean if it's if it's really if it's Locke at versus Daniel Jones in that game it, it's it's ugly it's a it's a bad matchup for for everybody pretty much. I, I, guess you, I guess you roll with one of the defenses as a streaming defense, maybe. That's, that's the best I can come up with.
1: Can we, can we talk about Drew Locke getting points in your stadium? Yeah. I mean, to me, this what? is like the most ominous development I've ever seen for a franchise. Drew Locke is getting points yeah. in your stadium week one. That is a huge, huge problem.
3: It actually is a good opportunity, by the way, for the Broncos defense, oddly enough. Um, The same method that we've used the past two years, because as we know, defenses don't matter and we don't know as much as we think we do. So trying to forecast defenses matters even less. And. 2019, the Patriots had the league's easiest schedule, in particular through the first nine games. We saw what happened. They finished as the fantasy's number one defense. Last year, the Colts had the easiest schedule. We saw what happened. The Colts finished as fantasy's number one defense. I'm not saying the Broncos are going to finish as number one. The 49ers actually have the easiest schedule based on Vegas season win totals, but The Broncos, like the Niners, are not being treated as the number one overall defense or even a top five unit. The Broncos have the second easiest schedule, and they're being drafted right now as the defense 14 overall. So it's tremendous value in a tremendous spot. And so that's where I'm looking for fantasy, always coming away in these deep leagues that for some reason you have to add defenses in with the Broncos. (laughs)
1: Wasn't expecting actual insight from this one, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, actually, yeah. it was a very good uh, point. Yes, uh, it's, yeah. it's the spoiler cast. You can take it whichever direction you want.
4: I think we're good for week one. Yeah,
2: yeah we, that was yeah, that was hard hitting. Let's dial back the insight moving forward. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars and the Texans combined for a five and twenty seven record last season, and as much as there's intrigue around the arrival of Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, etc. And probably a good opportunity, great opportunity for them to get off to a good start. Objectively, anything involving the Texans is awful. Uh, Game you kind of feel gross watching if you're not a Jaguars or Texans fan, I think. Daigle, when it comes to the Texans, I have to throw this to you. What are your thoughts on this game?
3: Imagine the utter shock to season ticket holders when the Jimmy Garoppolo led Texans lose by three (laughs) scores and Trevor Lawrence's debut on the road. Uh, That's pretty much all I have for this one. The Texans have two chances to win all year. It is this game and it is week 15 when they see the
1: Jags again. This has to be the first time in NFL history that, a team that had the number one overall pick was not only the favorite in week one, but the favorite on the road. Mm-hmm. So you were Houston Texans, and you were facing the team that just got – was the worst team in the NFL last year. And they are, again, getting points against you at home and that you need to reevaluate your life. And yes. uh, John's, yeah, I mean, it feels a little – I, I do you think the Texans should be the favorite in this game? I mean, it yeah. feels a little presumptuous no. for me. How can you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you, that's a good
4: one. How can you <laughs> favor them? I, I I think you you pencil in the Jags uh, with a resounding victory. The Urban Meyer era is off to a yeah. hot that's start. True. You know, and, that's my and picture. he knows Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, four touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. It's all it all comes together.
2: Travis Etienne breaks a long one. Yeah.
4: It, it, exactly. No, Carlos deep, Hyde. Carlos the Hyde does. looks good. Yeah, right. Even even Hyde gets a, some garbage time action in, in this one, folks. You know, watch, watch <laughs> out. But but really, I mean, uh, I am I am gonna offer some insight. I'm sorry, Matt. I would say that we're going to have to be ahead of the game in streaming defenses against the Texans because w- we are not the only ones who know that Houston is gonna suck. You know, so we're gonna have to plan ahead two three weeks sometimes, depending on the savviness, savvy level of your of your league. Uh, we're you know we're gonna have to get those defenses so. I can see myself drafting a lot of Jacksonville defense in just for just for week one purposes.
1: And not just in, not just in like round sixteen. By the way, I mean, Denny's talking like round ten or eleven. He's going to be taking the Jaguars' defense for one yeah, week. I'm um, actually
4: talking. I'm hammering them in the sixth yeah. in, every, in every league.
1: That is a tremendous point, especially if you're just going to stream
3: defenses all year, because no one's going to take the Jags for obvious reasons, and they'll be available in the very last round. So you just grab them. You have your week one starter, and then you dump them the following week. That's that's too much insight for this podcast, Denny. I'm sorry. sorry.
2: <laughs> Niners at the Lions features San Fran as a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite, the most lopsided spread of week one right now. And just some behind-the-scenes for everyone listening or watching, I initially had this game a few spots higher, and Pat successfully lobbied to have it moved down on the list. So how ugly, Pat, are you expecting things to be in this one, especially on the Detroit side of the ball?
1: Well, I mean, two teams breaking in. Well, you know, the 49ers breaking in a new quarterback. The Lions kind of breaking in a new everything and this game – so two teams that we don't really know what to expect from anymore. and So kind of like brings the game down to schemes, and that would be Kyle Shanahan's scheme versus the knee-biters' scheme, uh, whatever he has worked up over the offseason. And you know, even against the Lions, like 7.5 points on the road feels kind of hefty for me for a team who will probably be starting a quarterback who his only game in the past two years was against Central Arkansas – but like the scheme difference to me that probably is worth seven and a half points. and I, I, I would I'm, I, I don't place bets. I'm not a better. I do feel comfortable and the 7.5 does not feel too hefty to me for the 49ers in week one.
3: It won't be an upset alert because I don't think the Lions have a chance of winning, but covering at home against potentially a rookie quarterback, yeah, I could definitely see that. So I agree on the points. And then also, I mentioned earlier, 49ers have the league's easiest schedule. It's what they drew this year, which also tells us that futures markets are wide open. Uh, the Niners can basically just sleepwalk to the NFC Championship and then see what happens against the Bucks. while the AFC, all the top four Guys, the Ravens, Chiefs, Bills, perhaps the Chargers, just duke it out all the way through the playoffs. But it seems like uh, the Niners got the utmost luck in scheduling.
4: Is this game in San Francisco? In In Detroit. Detroit Detroit City. Detroit Rock City. All right, good, good. Because I think you guys are underselling the knee biters. I think in in this game, it's the start of the Dan Campbell era, however short that will be. It's new quarterback. You're at home. You've you have a crowd for the first time in a year. You have an inexperienced quarterback coming in. You have a you have a probably a top five offensive line if everybody stays healthy. These guys are have been disrespected and talked down to for an entire offseason. The Lions are coming out and they're not just winning this game. They're beating the pants off the Niners. And I say that I say, you know, with all seriousness.
1: I will say Like, so this is a Dan Campbell's staff is a staff full of like former players, like kind of one of the most like player centric staffs in a really long time. And there probably will be. And we know his one like so far easily identifiable skill is like motivation and like pumping up his guys. And there will be lots of positive energy coursing through the Lions. So I actually could buy into that narrative. Sure.
2: Adrian Peterson off the street, 35 carries, 125 <laughs> yards in that game, three scores. That's, Put it hey. down, Denny. All the these
4: Yeah, mark it Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, coming in at 13 on our list is the Sam Darnold revenge game, a total of just 43 points in the Panthers and Jets matchup, which makes you think we could be in for a real slog here, Denny. Anything to get excited about in this matchup?
4: I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess the the total is so low because of the unknowns on the Jets side. Well, I guess on both sides, since Darnold is is new. But I think this is high, low key going to be a high scoring game. I could see this this being like an kind of an ugly back and forth uh, type affair. I, I think Darnold is in a, a great spot. Forget the revenge narrative. You know, uh, he's in a great spot with with his offensive weapons. Uh, um, when you have Terrace Marshall as your wide receiver three. Uh, and wide receiver, or you know, fourth pass catcher in the pecking order in that in that offense, I think that that's that's pretty good against a a, a woeful New York secondary. So I could see this being back and forth, low key, high scoring. I, I'm going to have some. Uh, I can see myself having you know unfortunate DFS exposure to this game.
1: I mean, two of the least talented defensive teams in the league. Where's you know the Jets? But both teams have good defensive minds in the building, so we'll probably see some improvement for both teams this season. But yeah, I mean, this is the personnel is not there to stop a shootout. Should be one, should one be developing in the, uh, the early, the early portions of the game. If you want to wait
3: and stream quarterbacks, Darnold is your guy early on. And for the Panthers, it's great because they're going to know what they have in the first month of the season, because they open up against the jets against the saints at Houston and at Dallas Four shootouts waiting to happen. Let's go arguably the league's worst cornerbacks room and so they're going to have to keep their foot on the gas uh the entire time so it's going to be interesting but yeah within the first month we're going to know if the Panthers' offense gets carried by sam darnold or if he's just a one-year option then gone
2: i had trouble deciding where to put the vikings at the Bengals. objectively you could argue this is an awful game between two teams with losing records last year but also seems like one with A lot of fantasy intrigue. You got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase reunited, start of Justin Jefferson's encore season, Dalvin Cook potentially running wild on Cincinnati. Thoughts overall for you on this matchup, Daigle?
3: I honestly think it's a major contender to be a top DFS stat game in week one. The Vikings, as they did with Xavier Rhodes and just passing off players who are past their prime to the Colts last year took on Patrick Peterson, who last year was not considered a treasure among that secondary. Um, You don't upgrade or consider them an upgrade on defense, just because they add this one player who was consistently burned last year. And that's what the Bengals are going to do. I I keep using the same stat over and over because it's just so easy to latch onto Joe Burrow's 10 pull starts last year, the Bengals led in pass attempts and dropbacks per game. And they have no choice, but to do that again, when Chidobi Wouzier is their number one cornerback. So it's going to be an absolute shootout. And if it's not, that just means it is the utmost Dalvin Cook cash game week.
1: You're ignoring the single most important people, as Danny will say, the mainstream media is not talking about this. <laughs> uh, Mike Zimmer, he goes seven or nine or eight and eight one season, and then he wins double digit games the following season. <laughs> the Vikings are going to be good this year. I mean, yeah, they probably will be good, but uh, obviously, I do not believe in that. But this is one where I really don't know this is one of those week one games. Where I don't know what specs. I feel like there's two very vari- huge variables on both sides. One is yeah, will Mike Zimmer kind of have like the troops back in order on his side of the ball. He usually does. He's one of the best like course correcting coaches in the NFL. And then just how Joe Burrow looks coming off a very, very significant knee. It was apparently wasn't just like a normal ACL ACL tear and kind of like pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery. A lot of times quarterbacks coming back from ACLs, aren't quite the same the first year. I mean, even Tom Brady wasn't, I mean, that was over 10 years ago. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals offense kind of not be as high flying. It, maybe they still have no choice with the offensive line. But it's still give me a major question mark, but I could see maybe a more conservative reign in uh, and yet maybe run heavy offense from the Bengals to begin the year and maybe actually uh, establish Joe Mixon for once in like September, instead of waiting till late November. <laughs>
4: this, has a wide range of outcomes, I would say, because if the Vikings get their way, it's a slow game. It's Dalvin Cook's season. It's not a game where you would expect Justin Jefferson and, and, and Adam Thielen to thrive. And obviously, the, relatedly, Kirk Cousins. But if uh, the Bengals can force a back and forth, uh, then it could be amazing for, for fantasy because you have a lot of really high-powered electric options in both of these offenses Uh, But, you know, Burrow's health, all of this hinges on Burrow's health and his availability. That's why it's pretty
3: astonishing to see.
4: Cousins numbers last year
3: just 8.2 yards per attempt on heavy volume because although they wanted to run the ball and did in competitive game script they really just always had to compete in high scoring affairs and Kirk Cousins was really good so any situations again although I know Kellen Mond is waiting in the wings (laughs) yeah Cousins and Vikings double stacks are still going to be very lucrative this season.
2: A couple games in a row we've talked about with some shootout potential. That brings us to the Dolphins and the Patriots, who both made efforts to upgrade their offenses this offseason. That's Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller joining Miami, Hunter Henry, Jonah Smith, Nelson Aguilar, and Kedrick Bourne in New England. Is this another game with a kind of a sneaky chance for some fireworks, Pat, or are we getting are we reaching on this one?
1: I think what's the total on this one, John? I know the Patriots are two two point favorites, but this feels like this might be too obvious in an opinion. 45 and a half on points bet right now. This feels like an under to me. We're just the Patriots working in the entire new class, uh, either having the dual threat quarterback under center in Cam Newton, or like the rookie quarterback, I'm assuming a Mac Jones. They're not going to put much on his plate early the Dolphins, the most improved defensive team in the league last season. The Patriots might be the most improved defensive team in the league this season just because like the reinforcements they're getting. Uh the game's not in Miami, which has traditionally been a Patriots early season complaint, like getting sent down to Miami when the one billion percent humidity, um, and that <laughs> might have lowered my expectations, but even more for the scoring. but this this feels like an under to me as the Patriots work in. Their new skill, their new skill core, and again this ascendant Dolphins defense, which I'm assuming versus what I'm assuming will be a much improved Patriots defense. Anytime the schedule
3: release happens, I look for three things immediately. One, please don't put Giants and Cowboys in opening Sunday night. They did not this year. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Two, please give me the annual Jaguars Titans Thursday night game. They did not. They robbed us for the second year in a row. Mm. Leonard Fournette. Unamerican. Leonard Fournette going into the fourth quarter with negative eight rushing yards was just too much to handle (laughs) to ever see it again. Uh, And then also the third one, please don't tell me the Dolphins are playing the Patriots in week one. I can't take it anymore. So like last year when Ryan Fitzpatrick, like the only egg he laid as the team started before he was benched over the bye, Uh, I'm just not excited about this at all.
4: It's a gross game. Gross. It's, a, it's a disgusting game. Yes. Honestly, <laughs> I, I I'm horrified by the prospect of the Dolphins and Patriots. It, it's two good defenses. It's probably two bad quarterbacks. You know, I'm sorry, but the two, has to show something before. Before I say he's not he's not mediocre at best. Anyway, I, I don't care. Waddle, I don't care. This game has, a, I don't know, nine to six written all over it. And, uh, <laughs>
1: I don't know if it's going to go 30 points under uh the 45 total. Oh, but uh Danny bold bold prediction I'm
4: disgusted by this. The gas
1: hoarder,
3: <laughs> And it's not like it's not like a fun division game. Like the Browns always have the Ravens numbers and vice versa. Those are always fun games. Uh the Seahawks and the Cardinals, the Cardinals and the 49ers, but like this, like Dolphins and Patriots is just never fun. Denny, a little lightheaded after his gas run, just throwing out some wild declarations. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I actually got gas all over my hands. Uh, it was a It's a long story.
1: Yeah, wow. That That's, uh, don't tell that one on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all
2: right, well, you mentioned the Sunday night game, Daigle. It is indeed not Giants-Cowboys. It's Bears and the Rams on NBC Week 1. On the one hand, you're excited to see what Sean McVay can do with Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. On the other hand, unless you're Denny, you're really hoping that Andy Dalton doesn't get the early season preferential <laughs> veteran treatment, oh. and you know we we really would love to see Justin Fields under center. Uh, Denny, what do you what do you make of this one? Yeah. Quickly, Denny, before okay. we start, yeah,
3: I would just sure. like to remind you that this is a company game, so uh, be very careful in how you tread this one.
4: I. I... Very aware. Uh, okay. Thank you, and and um, you, thank you for reminding me, Matt, that uh, I have an Andy Dalton bet this year. Exactly, the guy, <laughs> you know, the guy who could probably possibly play zero snaps uh, in in twenty twenty one. So this game is a nightmare matchup for Justin Fields if it is his first uh, game. You know, he he gets probably the league's best defense, uh, a ferocious pass rush, a lockdown secondary. Uh, Jalen Ramsey probably covering Allen Robinson most of the time, if not all the time. We see how that, that has gone for other elite receivers when they face Ramsey. So, wow, I mean, that, that is tough. I am excited, however, to see Stafford at the helm of what was once an innovative, explosive, high-scoring Rams offense. And I think I think we, we tend to forget that how good this offense can be when they have someone – uh, in the pocket who can run it successfully. I mean, and not even be spectacular, just just not be Jared Goff. So um, I, I do I do think that the Rams players in this game have a lot of you know, fantasy upside.
3: On one hand, I do want Dalton's sacrifice to the Wolves after a career low six and a half yards per attempt because it just doesn't seem like the right spot to throw fields out there. But genuinely, uh, the Bears can't win unless they play field. So I don't, I'm very torn on it. On the Rams, though, to your point, I agree. Everyone has mentioned a ton of like dark course MVP candidates I've heard Baker Mayfield even though he's not going to have enough volume so I'm not in on it even if the Browns win 13 games I think like Nick Chubb puts up too many numbers Dak Prescott who the offense will be potent but remember like they were going to be defeated not undefeated they're going to be defeated if it weren't for an onside kick recovery against the Falcons last year like that team they just don't know how to build winning teams that's why they have never made it past the divisional round since 1995 Stop talking like the Cowboys matter. Uh, but Matthew Stafford is actually like the dark horse candidate because this offense is going to clip from day one. The upgrade from Golf to Stafford. You mentioned this on Spaces the other day, did you? We were yeah. talking about the schedule. It's just so massive. And uh, honestly, like that's the one kryptonite for the Niners just walking to the NFC Championship is that the Rams are going to be amazing.
2: I was fine until you mentioned that onsite kick recovery day goal against the Falcons, but I am now going to leave as one of my worst <laughs> memories of the last few years. Did you have a bet or like DFS on it? I'm just a Falcons fan. I'm just a miserable oh, okay. suffering <laughs> Falcons fan. And speaking of the Falcons, Eagles and Falcons, two new head coaches in this one making their debuts. In theory, I think there's some things to be excited about here. You've got Jalen hurts and Devonte Smith attacking a suspect Atlanta secondary. You got Matt Ryan throwing to Calvin and Ridley, hopefully Julio Jones, as well as Kyle Pitts, with the ultimate addition by subtraction and going from Dirk Cutter to Arthur Smith calling plays. Then again, I think we have to approach Philly with a dose of skepticism after Nick Sirianni's intro press conference. So what do you make of this one, Daigle?
3: It's interesting because the Eagles got absolutely screwed in the scheduling and Warren Sharp noted this. Uh, I'll just repeat it here that they travel to Dallas mid-year for Monday night football, return home to host Kansas city on short rest that Sunday, then travel the following week on normal rest to take on the Panthers and turn around to host the bucks on three days, rest Thursday, four games in 17 days. And then they have five road games in their next seven contest after the bucks game. And to think that Jalen Hurts has a one-year debut and that's it, and like he's been dealt this thus, like he's probably already out of the picture in 2022 is not fair, but it's it's true since the Eagles do have four picks in the first two rounds in 2022.
1: So I'm going to go that real quick, a stat that no one probably means nothing. Matthew Stafford had 700 yards in two games against the Bears last season. Very instructive, I'm sure, since he's on a new team now. That's good. Um, that's a good stat. Falcons uh rock, paper, scissors for the opening coin toss, obviously. That's something Nick Sirianni has insisted on that he's gonna do with every coach. And what I'm what I'm really looking forward to from this game uh is kind of like what will the Falcons offense be like now? Because we've been used to in fantasy now for over a decade uh Matt Ryan being like a 40 attempts a game player, and will Arthur Smith you know kind of try to build and evolve that with Matt Ryan, keep like the you know, like the high, I don't know what, that's not like their high tempo, but like high volume passing attack Matt Ryan's used to, or will he immediately try to implement more of what they did with the Titans, which, you know, he's not going to be trying to limit Matt Ryan to 25 attempts, but is Matt Ryan going to be more around like, 28 to 32, then like the 38 to 42, he often Mm -hmm. is. I guess a lot of that will have to do with the Falcons' defense is any good, which it rarely is. But that's like the early season storyline I'm gonna be following the most with the Falcons. It's just how much will Matt Ryan be throwing as much as we've been to again for over a decade used to him throwing. Yeah,
4: his best fantasy seasons talking about Matt Ryan have been when his attempts are down a little bit and he's been more efficient. He's not a guy who has gone through the roof with way more attempts. It's a little bit like Matt Stafford in, in like early Matt Stafford in Detroit, where when his attempts went through the roof, it was uh inefficiency like we've never seen. So that might, that might be a good thing, honestly, for, for Matt Ryan's fantasy value. I have no faith that the Eagles can put together anything close to a non-disastrous season. Or if uh, they even want to this season. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. And, and, but I also think the Syriana guy is going to one at some point this season, he's going to bench Jalen Hurts for Joe Flacco, and it's, it's just a matter of oh, time. No. I really believe that
1: Sirianni is just the millennial knee biter, by the way. He's like the a different philosophy, I'm sure, but big yeah. damn gamble energy when it comes to just like overall football sophistication. He's,
4: he's gonna say, You know, I we, we we had to teach Jalen a lesson, and it, the fact that we were up three and we lost by 14. Doesn't matter. You know, Jalen got the lesson. Uh, one quick tidbit on the Falcons, and you can
3: take this for fantasy, betting, whatever you want to do. Remember it for best ball leagues or just cry like Matt's probably gonna do. But they actually have an extra road game since it's 17 games. So they have oh, nine man. road games to begin with. But but they traveled to London for a home game. So they actually have. 10 road games, that being week five, and then I have an early buy in week six. So the first five games make out swell. Even the London game is against the Jets. That's great for fantasy. But then they return for in week seven with seven road games the rest of the way. It is a disaster second half for them.
2: Man. It's good. After they had like the hardest schedule in the league last year. That's a nice <laughs> nice <laughs> Not that anyone's
1: off. keeping track on this podcast, but um congrats, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, good
2: season. Six six
0: and eleven. <laughs>
2: want to remind you that our premium product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports so you can get access to NBA, NHL, and MLB premium products under the same umbrella for 10% off any subscription. Enter the promo code GOOD10. Okay, eight down, eight to go. Given all of the off-season buzz around the Chargers and the fact the Washington football team actually did some seemingly smart things on offense, bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, adding Curtis Samuel, I was a little surprised to see a relatively low total on this game, 44.5, I think. What stands out to you about this matchup, Pat?
1: I mean, to me, that actually doesn't surprise me. We have the football team, which vaulted from twenty seventh in total defense by both points and yards in two thousand nineteen to top five in both last season. Uh, You know, Ron Rivera kind of coming in and stabilizing the shit, but of course, taking huge advantage of a generational type player on defense and Chase Young, and just like immediately doing what he was hired to do with that defense. Versus now, like you know, one of Maybe the brightest defensive mind in the league last year with Brandon Staley, uh, the new coach of the Chargers, and two teams that could be this could be like a big like feeling out period for both teams, like what their early season identities are going to be. Because we this like the the Chargers are going to be a much different Chargers team than we're used to. You'd have to be assuming I think it's going to be a much smarter, more disciplined team, and that they could kind of be a little more buttoned up, reined in at the beginning of the season, and just then going a West Coast team, even if it's Week One, trekking out to the East Coast. To face an elite defense, what I'm assuming will be 1 p.m. Eastern. I could see this being a very low-key game for someone and Justin Herbert, who you know people are going to be expecting to take that next step to like to true superstar him this year. I think it could be a, a slow start to the season.
4: If the Chargers want to win this game, they're going to get to the East Coast six weeks before we. <laughs> they're going to have their training camp. They're going to have preseason everything over there to get their body clocks adjusted because uh, West Coast team traveling. For an early start against what should be a really good Washington defense. It could be could be really bad. I don't know how the Chargers are favored here. It is is, mind surprising. That jumped out more than anything, more than any line that I saw this morning was that Washington is is a home dog to a West Coast team. I don't I don't get it. Anyway, uh hammer Washington, in my opinion. Even in Adding Jameen Davis
3: with their first round pick. Uh, off ball linebackers really aren't part of the equation in today's NFL, but it was the perfect complement to a right. ferocious punt front seven that was already stacked with first round pass rushers. So I think it's going to be a fun X's and O's football game that does not uh, answer in fantasy so much, but genuinely, like it should be back and forth. If this Chargers era is actually a new one, um, and if it isn't, then it's going to be a one-score game, and they're going to miss a field
1: goal <laughs> in the last three seconds.
4: Yeah, I think if you're if you're drafting Chargers, I, I'm not. I would I would you know lower my expectations for Week One production.
1: Except for Larry Roundtree, uh, look it up, folks.
4: <laughs> That's it's happening.
2: The Seahawks at the Colts has one of the highest totals of the week at 52. Colts brought in Carson Wentz and did very little to upgrade the offense around him. Meanwhile, the Seahawks are in run it back mode, possibly literally run it back mode, because Pete Carroll has already said he (laughs) regrets not running it more last season. I'm sorry, but that's Pete Carroll's fault. Are you looking forward to this
4: one in any way, shape or form, Denny? No. Hmm. I am low-key stunned that the Seahawks are underdogs here.
1: I am too. I'm high-key stunned. I completely Uh, agree. Yeah.
4: I don't get it you know what exactly i mean i guess the seahawks were so bad at the end of last year that maybe that that colored the um week one you know line but uh, i i certainly don't get it um it's going to be in a dome well i mean i guess they could open the open the roof we have to keep our eye on the roof for for fantasy is that roof Lucas Oil?
1: Is. all right
4: yeah and it's horrible when it's open, by the way. it, it, it cast, it shadows everywhere. It's it's a terrible idea. Keep it closed, anyway.
1: Does it have uh, the same like the sun death ray that they yes. have in Dallas? Um, <laughs> yes. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen, oh. by the way. Yeah,
4: <laughs> sun death ray. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, and Russell Wilson has been very good in in domes over his career. So I don't get the line uh, fantasy wise. I guess it's whatever. I, I, you know, it for the on the Colts side, it depends if if the Colt if uh, Carson Wentz is anything close to what he used to be, uh, you know. But on the Seahawks side, it's not a particularly daunting matchup for for that offense. The sun death ray is actually called
3: Sky Mirror from Jerry Jones, by the way. Like that that's the looming evil villain that everyone has across like at Sky halftime. Sky Mirror
1: is more dystopian than Sun Death Ray. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's the looming villain whenever teams have to play after 5 p.m. because the sun shines down on the field. Uh no, it's going to be fun considering it is an indoor game. And we've talked about this in the past, just how the Seahawks, although they maybe do just hammer into the ground with Chris Carson to establish this new offense with a new OC. But again, all of their top five wide receivers run under a 4-5-40. So now against the Colts defense where the the secondary and pass rush is the weaknesses on every part of the unit, both sides of the ball, then it could be interesting. I just feel like we're going to be let down with a
1: lot of Chris Carson.
2: Picture Jerry Jones being like, Activate Sky Mirror.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that? Are you serious? That's the name of it. I, be, I believe that's what he re- refers to it as. Yeah, that and, is quite dystopian.
4: Yeah, there is a thing called Sky Mirror. A- um. Am I uh, misremembering that? Did the Dallas leave a hole in its new stadium just like their old one? It's not a hole. They put the
3: windows on the side of the sunset. Thus every afternoon game and as we know cowboys play a lot of prime time
4: yeah
3: uh the sun obviously is in the way <laughs> it, and it gets in the quarterback's eyes in the second and fourth quarter yeah
4: it's a it's, it's a d- disaster dumbest also
3: thing. also the Tron, i forgot what they call it megatron something like that it hangs down too low it's got to be more dystopian than that that's why punters hit it sometimes especially in the preseason um they'll just knock it because it's so low they're
1: trying to do it in the preseason right. you know right. it's ridiculous
3: it's just the cowboys I hate that stadium. Yeah. Jerry World, folks.
2: Number six on our list, the AJ Brown target rampage and Chase Edmonds, Sizen <laughs> Daigle officially get underway on the same field mm-hmm. as the Titans take on the Cardinals. I haven't even mentioned the FERC Daddy yet. Anthony perks are <laughs> over under of 51 in this game. Daigle, what's your excitement level on this matchup?
3: It is a good one. And it almost sets up like you would think they would hammer Derrick Henry, but if the Cardinals put it on the gas, because recall Kyler Murray was basically dependent on rushing until he blew out his shoulder, injured it against the Seahawks, and then uh, basically couldn't run over the last six games of the season. And so like, if he's back to full health, which we fully expect, and the Titans defense is as bad as we think they are um, because they have gone about team building the absolute wrong way this offseason, then it will be a very fun shootout with the arrival of A.J. Brown truly from week one on.
1: I'm kind of feeling the under in this game. I don't quite know why. I think Mike Vrabel, even though John referenced the Titans' curious team building, I think Mike Vrabel is a good enough defensive mind where there's no way their defense can be as bad as it was last year. This is a total gut-type opinion. And I worry about two. I mean, I know we have continuity for the Titans' offense, but also the first game without Arthur Smith. And uh, it was a lot of it was because Kyler Murray was injured, as John referenced. But I lost – if I had any faith in Kiff – Cliff, what is Cliff Kingsbury? I almost said Cliff Kicksbury, as he's known on Twitter. Uh, if I had any faith in him, it was fully uh, a loss in the second half of last season. And I could see the game maybe being kind of a down low uh, s show for you Zoomers out there. I won't say the word.
4: They're too um, young. They're too. But yeah,
1: they're too young. young. But I, 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 this was a game where I looked at it like I felt like I didn't know what to expect from this game.
4: You're stacking Kyler with Rondell Moore and DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins, and you're running it back with Ferkser and A.J. Brown. And you're done. Bing, bang, boom. We're done. We're <laughs> done with DFS for week one. Join us for week two. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, 51 over under. I Don't listen to Pat on this one. It, it, this is a, this is <laughs> going to be. I really
1: don't, actually. This yeah. is going to
4: be, you know, the Zoomers, here's what the Zoomers are calling it. They're calling it a barn burner. And I, I believe that. No, that's, that'll
1: happen. that's like the silent. That's the greatest. I think that was a world war II thing. Like burning Barnes. Um, yeah. that That is uh, not a Zuma reference.
4: I'm sorry to advocate violence against Barnes, by the way. I didn't mean anything.
2: Match up with two teams that combined for a 25 and seven record last year as the bills host, the Steelers. It seems like we have been consensus down on the Steelers offense, given Roethlisberger's arm limitations. Then again, they return all their top receivers And even if taking a first round running back was maybe stupid, there's no doubt Najee Harris should be an upgrade there. So is it possible, Pat, we're slightly too low on the Steelers potential in this game and in the early part of the season?
1: I just feel like any hope for like true regeneration for the Steelers offense, like rests on regeneration of Ben Roethlisberger's elbow ligaments. And (laughs) that just doesn't happen at this age. And I just have a hard time seeing how the like the Steelers' offense is going to look different. I mean, having an effective running game when they had no running game would certainly help and would open things up for the passing attack a little bit. But I mean, defenses are going to be able to camp out on Ben Roethlisberger until he proves something has changed with his arm. And that just doesn't happen at that age for an, for an athlete. So the Steelers' offense, I, mean, I have a very hard time knowing what to expect because like this is about as – impressive of a skill core as you could have. I just don't know how Ben Roethlisberger's elbow is up to the task this year. Basically.
4: I could not agree more. And also Najee Harris, it could go absolutely. And this is another term that I never use, but I'm going to use here could go ham in the early season (laughs) because (laughs) don't look it up. Don't look, don't look (laughs) it up folks. Um, And don't tell your kids, but uh, because the team is going to is so invested in Najee Harris and wants to run so badly that he's going to get every opportunity. He's going to get a ton of touches, uh, probably regardless of, of game script, unless it gets really wildly out of control. But even even in that scenario, he's a he's a good pass catcher. You know, he, he's he's going to be getting you know those cheap PPR targets and points. Uh, so I think I think he's a he's a guy who could and should get off to a really good start to the season.
3: I believe his player prop at points bet, Denny, is 900 and a half, too, and that seems incredibly low, um, not only because oh, yeah, he's going to get really. every touch, but also because like, I think the Steelers are exposed this year. Uh, even the defense returning isn't anything that really scares you like last year. That's probably why they got a primetime schedule, but – Again, Ben Roethlisberger's arm, and then, of course, they're just taking a third-round center and stuffing him in there because they don't have another choice after drafting Najee Harris in the first round. And then they're going to be without last year's two starting cornerbacks, Mike Hilton, Steven Nelson, and 32-year-old Joe Hayden playing on the final year of his contract. So I think the Bills pants the Steelers in week one like they did in week 14 last year, I believe, when they were up 23-7 midway through the third quarter. And then, uh, yeah, it's just sort of the downfall of that organization until they find a way to move on from Osberger,
1: and we we should we'll get in let's get into some pure like boomer sports writer narrative energy here okay. right like the bills fans after not being in that stadium until the very end oh. of the year last year uh, the place is going to be sold out like one it's going to be like a it's going to be like a championship celebration even though it was a team that lost in the afc championship game and it is going to be a raucous intimidating environment and i'm now uh, writing weekly columns for the boston globe
4: (laughs) (laughs) you are you're going you're saying the 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 bills fans are going to win this week my column
3: that is the x and and everyone who has been touting zach moss is going to lead the bills backfield uh they see he handles four or five backfield touches (laughs) (laughs) good job
2: applaud to you circling back to ben's elbow for one second what if we put it directly into the piercing ray of the light from Sky Mirror. Is there a chance there that that could regenerate the
1: elbow
4: somehow? It's worth a try.
1: It is rookie it, of the it, year type energy. Look it up. Uh, 1993 film, a masterwork. Maybe something like that will happen with Ben Roethlisberger's you, elbow. You said
4: it needs regeneration. Have we tried Regenitron or whatever that stuff is called? <laughs> yeah, for Regeneron?
1: COVID. Is <laughs> COVID medicine for his elbow? Have we tried the horse acne medicine? Just rub it on there. That's a
3: great call. We have to try Lay it. him, just wheel him out in a wheelbarrow uh lay him on the ground of at&t stadium <laughs> at 5 at 30 p.m if it's not daylight savings time and let the ray hit his arm and let's see what happens
2: that's what i'm saying dago i'm with you
3: i'm not a doctor
4: but i think it could work go ahead sorry.
2: four to go we all agree that the raiders off season made very little sense but i think i'll still be strangely excited to watch their week one matchup against lamar jackson and the ravens monday night football total of 51 in this one For starters, for me, this is the first opportunity for me to lose ground to Daigle in our J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire season-long bet. It's also (laughs) National Sammy Watkins Day. He has gone off week one each of the last two seasons while fully healthy, done almost nothing after that. This is a fact. Sammy Watkins has five touchdowns the last two seasons. Four of them came in week one. Denny, your thoughts. (laughs) Denny,
4: your column. My column is this. Uh, It's going to be a bloodbath. I think the Ravens are going to absolutely wreck... The Raiders. Uh, I, I don't care that it's in the new stadium. Uh, I know you know Pat's going to say, "Oh, it's it's in it's in,
1: it's yeah, in the Raiders Stadium." They're going to the be Vegas baseball. Faithful- this connection to this yeah. team that they've had for decades. <laughs> that,
4: you know, that be, there's no there is no such thing as a as a Vegas <laughs> Raiders fan. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm all I'm all about the Ravens defense just humiliating the the Raiders and um, and then Lamar Jackson having yet another and he's another Week One blow up dude. I, I think he has another one here easily.
1: I will say, say what you will about John Gruden. He's usually fairly schemed up early in the season. And they've, they've had a lot of these primetime games, you know, and then most of them are closer than you would expect. And I can't, truly can't believe I'm saying this about John Gruden, but like it does really help the Raiders and John Gruden. This is like their first game and he'll, he'll be able to game plan for this for a month. And I think the game will probably be closer than we expect, but the the Ravens, you just still can't believe in the Raiders' defensive talent. It's like, what, what was the plan? The, why was the Raiders' offseason priority to remake one of the best offensive lines in the NFL? I truly do not understand uh, what was going on.
4: Well, that's another thing. Baltimore boosted its offensive line. So, like, you know, that was a glaring weakness. And, and the Raiders were, I think, bottom of the league or, bo- or, or bottom two in the league in, in sack rate last year. Um, So Lamar Jackson is going to just be able to sit back there and and pick him apart or run or whatever he wants to do.
3: Uh, John Gruden may show up schemed, but John Harbaugh has historically been schemed even more. Baltimore's 10-3 and in season openers under him. Um, As Sharp Football's Rich Rebar notes, their past five week one games – or have actually been won by a combined score of 177 (laughs) to 26. Wow. And then at the end of this game, when they lose by four scores, Gruden's going to look up at the crowd, shrug, and be like, we don't play the Ravens every week. And then it's going to hit them that the Raiders actually drew the league's hardest schedule. Uh, It doesn't get any easier after this. And then fantasy owners are going to look up and see, oh, Josh Jacobs wasn't involved in the second half because it's Kenyon Drake time because there's never going to be a competitive game script. Like this Raiders season is shaping up already. Hypothetically through the spoiler cast to be an absolute disaster
1: i'm not kidding john you just actually depressed me yeah. <laughs> like, everything you said was true and, like that was bleak yeah. and depressing and i forgot about the harbaugh narrative by the way that's also a very true narrative uh, for week one
2: you heard it on the spoiler cast raiders two and 15 in 2021
1: <laughs> maybe honestly yeah four and 13 Three
2: games to go. The Packers and the Saints is the one that I believe, one game I believe that d- apparently doesn't have a line yet, right, guys? And we believe this is because Aaron Rodgers' status being in limbo is as simple as that.
3: So it does not have a line and points bay yet. I've kind of searched around for others and I've seen that some books have it at Packers plus two and a half, in which I say, even if Aaron Rodgers is traded, does that make sense? Because the Saints are sort of sneaking into the season as highly overrated, mm-hmm. uh, given five primetime games, although the salary cap, and I'm I'm team salary cap doesn't matter, but the salary cap ripped them apart. They are so thin off the bench at every single position, don't have quarterback figured out just yet. Uh, Michael Thomas, if he just runs slants, who knows even his fit with Jameis Winston if he wins the job. So that seems like a very bad line. Which is also why points bet has just refused to lay it yet.
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen a few places to the Saints, two and a half point favorites, but John hit on the most critical point. We're all focusing on like the Aaron Rodgers factor where we don't know for sure who the Saints quarterback is going to be. It'll probably be Jameis Winston. No, you know, it's going to be Ian Book. It's not going to be yeah. Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. It's going to be Ian Book. It'll probably be Jameis Winston, but we just don't know yet. And as John said, depth used to be the Saints thing. So maybe this is bad for the Packers that it's week one. When the Saints will presumably be near full strength. But the Saints, after years of being one of the deepest teams in the league, as John said, are no longer uh, close to that because of uh, they finally, the salary cap finally kind of mattered. Uh, they still got to hand out a fake $140 million contract. <laughs> where I'm still not sure how that's like not a Ponzi scheme and leading to the loss of a draft pick. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it is finally catching up with the Saints.
4: I desperately want Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback (laughs) for the Saints. Uh, And this game would be way more, I think, fantasy intriguing if that were the case. I think every Saints game would be better for fantasy, including if you're able to get, you know, Michael Thomas in best ball leagues is regularly going in the third round in 12 team leagues. And this is all due to the fact that he had a, a fluke ankle injury in week one last year. and. Missed a bunch of time and then punched a teammate, whatever. You know, I mean, just a bunch of stuff that is probably not going to happen again. And um, and but but I, I think he he holds more value with Taysom Hill under center than he does with Jameis Winston. And and I, I you know, this game and and all going forward. Never forget that he punched the same cornerback,
3: Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who Javon Williams also punched. Still one of the best storylines of the 2020 season.
1: It Someone is, else punched him too. Then I think, wasn't there a playoff punching? Um, also, yes,
3: uh, maybe the Bears just punched Bears. him again in the, the playoffs.
4: Yeah, um, he's he's, but he is. I have to say, I don't condone punching. That guy's incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, I don't know, he should get a flag literally every play. They if your just-
1: own teammate is getting suspended for punching you in practice, you might be annoying. <laughs> He's
2: irritating. Pat, the return of Pat's, uh, you might be a redneck structure. Good to see.
3: Good to see. <laughs> <laughs> you you might, might be annoying, be annoying if.
1: if Michael Thomas is breaking your jaw. A lot of, the a of
3: Cortland Finnegan and Char- Chauncey <laughs> Cardinal Johnson. <laughs>
2: Alright, number two on the list. We've got the Cowboys presumably getting back a fully healthy Dak Prescott with his full complement of weapons at Tampa Bay to take on you know the defending Super Bowl champs. I'm kind of getting sick of saying it. This is the game that kicks off the season, though, on Thursday night. At NBC feels like one that could have a ton of fireworks. Pat,
1: it does. At first blush, six and a half points felt a little hefty to me for the Bucks, but then I remembered Dan Quinn is now the Cowboys' yeah. defensive coordinator. As the team, the Bucks scored 75 points again in two games last season, and the Falcons' defense, with, you know, not a ton of talent, but the same thing is very much true of this Cowboys' defense and. Uh, I think the Bucks will cover. I do. I am expecting the fantasy fireworks. Of course, uh, I, I don't know. It could be a tough road to hoe though for the Cowboys, We're coming back off the devastating leg injury against one of the league's best defenses and uh, the Bucks. Uh, I do. I think this will have the feel of like a party coronation for the Bucks. Um, and hopefully, I don't know John. What is your like? But what is your opinion on on this game? Should we be wary of the Cowboys with the injury factor versus this elite defense or is it kind of all systems go for DFS? Uh
3: in my opinion, this is the moment, especially in an island game with the world watching, when everyone who takes my and our advice throughout the offseason panics immediately because you should be stacking the Cowboys everywhere, every player down. Um, especially Ezekiel Elliott, who's going like in the first, second round turn, even though he's going to get every single touch as he did last year when healthy. But this is a nightmare matchup. And then the chart, the Cowboys followed up at the Chargers in week two. So two tough games, but then if you look from week three on, nothing to be worried about. So much so that like, I'm even worried about some Washington Futures I sprinkled on because I do believe they're the better team, but the Cowboys schedule is so easy this year. So no matter what happens, or perhaps you miss out on Cowboys in your draft, you start trading for them in week two and week three because maybe some owners will be down on them even though the schedule
4: just opens up to the world. The thought of this game for single game DFS, you know, purposes, uh, makes me sweaty. I mean, I actually start perspiring under my arms. I'm sorry if that's too much information.
2: That's the gasoline. That's the gas. <laughs> that's
4: the cup of noodles. By the way, <laughs> oh, it's the combo of the gas and the noodles. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, i lost my train of thought. So yeah, I mean
1: he ingested so much gas that he's just <laughs> he's trying to sweat it out this pouring out of him <laughs> let's go to the next
4: game sorry dude. Uh, um you're gonna have to make uh some some really really tough choices here because there's so many uh potentially explosive playmakers on both sides of the ball uh you're gonna have to you know commit i can't believe i'm talking about single game um dfs right now in may but um you're going to have to commit to a certain game script in order to 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 capitalize here. It, but it should it should be the Cowboys' formula last year was to be a disaster defensively, uh, to force their offense into a high paced, pass heavy approach. And who says that doesn't continue into Week One this year?
2: Talking about a single game dfs strategy in may that's the beauty of the spoiler cast yeah. in it. that's what it's all about. Right now
4: you don't need anything for week one dfs yeah
1: it's just the beauty yeah. of being truly sick human beings yeah, too yeah, well, that's a... <laughs> all
2: right number one last one out of 16 week one matchups is a game that currently has the highest total of week one 52 and a half points the browns at the chiefs in a rematch of that memorable game in the divisional round the chad henny game as it will forever be known fellas the Chiefs are presumably going to come out pretty angry in this one, looking to pile up a ton of points. Denny, mm-hmm.
4: what do you think? Craig? I think that um, I, I actually do think that I'm prepared to get more Patrick Mahomes exposure in best ball than any other quarterback this year because uh, I think that he is teed up uh, for, for a monster, monster year He's been a little bit unlucky with touchdown rate and some uh some injuries the last couple of years. And, th- and this matchup is not particularly intimidating. You know, last year he left the game, I believe, in the third quarter against Cleveland uh, in their playoff matchup. And he had like two hundred and sixty yards and two touchdowns, I I believe at that point, and some and some rushing yardage. So I don't see any reason to fade this game. I, I'm not overthinking this game. I'm not going to galaxy brain this game. Let's get some exposure to this one.
2: Hey, before you jump in, Pat Denny, when you said teed up for Monster Season, you meant testosterone. Right? <laughs> Just to be clear. That's
4: right. That's right. It, yeah, that's that's what I meant. So we're talking about, uh, uh, but a high T game is a, is like a 12 to 10 game.
1: We weren't going to talk about this in the show, but Denny, it was in i I'll just explain the Denny gas thing and an effort to get his testosterone levels up, uh, you know, especially too. there's a gas shortage, kind of a dangerous thing being wasteful. It got his adrenaline going, he's going to waste some gas. He's going mm-hmm. to just pour gas all over his oh, body nice. to try to get the T levels up. <laughs> and uh, we don't know if it worked yet. Um, he is wearing a T-shirt for the show, so it might have worked a little bit.
4: Oh, yeah. um, it, it's it is true. a David
1: Bowie T-shirt, though, so that's kind of low T. Um, it,
4: it's a mix, right? It's yeah. a, I'm just trying to counter it. I'm, I'm wearing <laughs> a, a, a relatively tight T-shirt, but it is David Bowie.
1: Uh, one of the most popular like early schedule narratives I saw was kind of people all over the Browns. Did anyone else catch wind of this? I did.
5: It's
1: kind of just strange to me. The Browns are a good team. They're a very well-coached team. They're now a pretty balanced team. Uh, but the, the Chief, like again, it's like everyone thinks back to this game and they remember the Chad any moment, but it's like they forget that that meant that Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing for like large chunks of the most important game of the season to that point. And the game is not fully representative of what Chiefs versus Browns is actually like. And we're so down on the Chiefs after a very bad Super Bowl. But in order to look terrible in the Super Bowl, you have to uh, make the Super Bowl. And uh, so the Chiefs are still... A colossus to me. I I will say they've had kind of good injury luck. Where Tyreek Hill has missed a little time. He was a little banged up, especially down the stretch in 2019. After injuring his hamstring in Mexico, he didn't look quite the same. Um, But they've had relatively good injury luck. If that like changes this year, like Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill ends up missing like five or six, seven games, then you do get a little concerned about the Chiefs where as we know, like it's just totally up for grabs in the number two receiver spot. And then if they lose one of those alphas, suddenly there are kind of like real problems for this offense, even with Patrick Mahomes. But if Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey stay reasonably healthy, I mean, the show is going to roll on for the Chiefs.
2: Guys, that's the end of our 16-game breakdown. Anything to mention on the website before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, uh,
4: I have a piece uh, going up later today on the cheapest most
1: high upside
4: best ball stacks that you could possibly ever want in life.
1: That's nice. I'm actually truly looking forward to that. And uh, I still have my uh, dynasty rookie rankings out there. We're now in full swing of dynasty rookie draft season. So uh, check out the ranks on the site.
2: All right. This has been your week one spoiler cast. All of this will prove to be 100% accurate, (laughs) but please don't listen to this again on the Thursday before the start of the season. (laughs) Please don't ingest the knowledge now, but then please put it aside. That's the safest way to do
4: it. We're deleting it.
2: Tagle, <laughs> <Diggle>, Pat, Danny. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.